that testimony from Linda, which Lord just fits so well into what I'm going to, in a sense, preach about this morning, because you are good and you are faithful, and you are the God who wants us to overcome within the storms and the circumstances of life. I thank you that you are not a detached, remote God who cares nothing for how we are in our everyday lives but rather you're a God that knows and understands. So, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and open up our ears this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, great, let me begin. Hopefully you've got some notes. I'll refer to them as we go through. This morning we're carrying on our series entitled Be Prepared, which came out of a number of prophetic words that God spoke to us earlier in the year, saying you need to be prepared for what I want to do for you and among you in the next season. And God's really wanted to do some stuff in our hearts and in our thinking to get us prepared to be able, ready to love and serve uh, those who he wants to add into our church family. So this series that we have uh, been going through, I think how we respond individually and corporately is really very important. It's of kingdom importance. We're talking about God, the creator, the sustainer of all things. He's looking for how we respond to what he is saying to us. God doesn't want to speak into a vacuum. He speaks to a people, and he speaks, and he speaks so that they might hear him, and they might respond. Say, oh God, you're speaking to us. You want us to respond. I believe God has spoken to us, and what he's looking for now is, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to what he has said? And as part of this series, I've preached a couple of messages under this heading, Prayer, Care, Share. And today we look at Share. And if you've missed the other two, then they're on the website. I want to encourage you, go have a listen to them. Because put bluntly, you can't be prepared unless you hear what God has said. It's impossible to be prepared unless you hear what God has said. Very quick recap. We said everything begins with prayer. Everything begins in a place of prayer speaking to Jesus, getting his heart on things, getting his, his uh, instructions, getting what he wants us to do, putting ourselves at his disposal every day, begins in a place of prayer. And then we're active, active in ex expressing Jesus' heart of compassion to other people inside the church family, outside the church family. And we did an exercise where we gave out envelopes with lists of people's names in the church and said, come on, church, let's ask God, and then let's do what he says. So we're active in our care inside the church, outside the church. And then it's all about sharing, because maybe through our prayers, maybe through our care, a door has been opened, God's given us an opportunity, we have a hearing, and what we need to share is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel, the unwatered down gospel, the plain gospel, the unashamed gospel. What do we need to share? The gospel. That is what we need to share. And we're going to look at this this morning. We're going to look at what is the gospel. We're going to look at the fact that we need to share it with ourselves and we need to share it with others. And the most important thing that I'm going to say, I think, this morning is the middle one about sharing the gospel with ourselves. Because if we can't do that, or if we don't do that, we're never going to be able to share that with anybody else. People will see right through us. 
if you say something, but you're not actually doing it in your own life. And I'm going to give you a number of examples from my life this week, which are a bit similar to Linda's uh, in one sense. Uh, Difficulties, circumstances, because I want you to understand how the gospel is the answer for dealing with the ups and downs of life. And being able to go through them and remain spiritually healthy that we might share with other people. So that is my aim this morning. So let's start off with the gospel. The gospel, or good news, is incredibly simple at heart. I know there are complicated questions when you begin to apply the gospel into the world and ethics and different areas of life, but the actual gospel is so incredibly simple. In a nutshell, it's this. Jesus is Savior and Lord. The gospel is about Jesus. It's about the fact that he is both Savior and Lord. If you refine it down, that's all the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus is Savior and Lord. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. The the, the Savior title deals with sin and forgiveness, that which separates us from God that he dealt with on the cross. And the Lord part deals with the fact that he's now Lord of my life. He's boss. He's the one who tells me what to do, how to do it. He's the one I go to for what I need. The whole of the Bible is about Jesus as Savior and Lord. The Old Testament points forward. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Kill that lamb. Say your sins. He's coming. He's coming. Oh, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's, the whole of the Old Testament points forward. The, the epistles all talk about Jesus' life and death, his actual time walking on earth. And the rest of the New Testament basically looks back and says, how can you now live? Because now you live this side of the cross and Jesus has come. The whole Bible is about the gospel because the Bible is about one person, Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. Now, often people like to simplify the, Bible, the gospel into something. I put it in your notes here with just some trigger words. Maybe something like, there's a God who loves us, but it's our sin that separates us from him. And so God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, be nailed to a cross, and on the cross to pay the price, to pay the penalty for the things that you and I do wrong that we can't pay for. And then God resurrected Jesus because the resurrection is the cornerstone of Christianity Because Jesus had done no sin and therefore God resurrected him, raised him back to life because he'd done no sin. He wasn't dying on the cross for his sin. He was dying on the cross for other people's sin. So when God resurrected him, raised him back to life, it proved that Jesus had no sin. And it also proves that anyone who now puts their faith in Jesus will have their sins forgiven. And then he was ascended back to heaven where he sits right now, this moment, this moment, this moment, Jesus ruling and reigning over the world this moment right now. In all the chaos and all the mess and all the Brexit and all the things that make us scratch our heads, King Jesus is ruling and reigning over this world now. That's where he is. And therefore, anybody who puts their trust in Jesus will be saved. As it says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Can I just say, it's not really rocket science, is it? It's not really rocket science. I did, you know, secondary school chemistry that was more confusing than the gospel. To make it virtually impossible to miss out, I sometimes, you know, I still wear my little uh, band that I got at Crisscross. It's just got four little symbols on it. And if I know that if I go through this, it means I've shared the gospel. Some people ask me, what's that? I say, well, you know, God loves everybody. Our sin separates us, you know, a divide sign. But, you know, Jesus died on the cross, made a way that we could be forgiven. What are you going to do about it? I mean, that's the gospel. It really is no more complicated than that. It's not complicated. Jesus is Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian, you know enough of the gospel to be able to share it. If you know enough to get saved, then you know enough to be able to share it. Because you can't be saved unless you believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord and you put your trust in him. But that's all you need to be saved. That's all somebody else needs to be saved. So you and I know enough. You and I, if you're a Christian here this morning, you know enough. The truth is, most of us, when we got saved, that's probably all that we knew. That's probably all, that's all I knew that when I got saved. But it was enough for me to get saved. So it's enough for other people to get saved. And I think many of us, including myself, can be frightened to share because maybe we don't have it all together, we're not perfect, or maybe we don't have all the answers. But I think, like I've said before, what has that got to do with the price of fish? What's that got to do with the price of fish? We're all a work in progress. As long as Jesus is working on the building site, the construction site of my life, then I'm not being a liar or hypocritical because I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm just saying I know Jesus and he's working on my life. And you can know Jesus and guess what? He'll start working on your life. I know I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. You could ask me some questions. I don't know the answers to everything, but I know this. I know Jesus. And Jesus knows all the answers. I walked out of the doctor's this week and an older guy asked me where the council offices were. He said to me, excuse me, where are the council offices? I said to him, I didn't stand there and say, oh, well, I wonder whether I should uh, tell him or not when I don't really know, you know, his motive for wanting me to ask that. What's he actually going to go? I wonder why he's going to go to the... I didn't do that. I didn't say to him, I I didn't not tell him because I wasn't sure uh, if he then asked me uh, what the council would do for him, I, I wouldn't know it. I didn't do that. I didn't think to myself, but if he asked me about waste collection, I just don't know. I, I didn't do that. I told him, uh, turn around, mate, go to the end of the road, turn left, it's on your left. See, we're supposed to tell people we've found Jesus. Truth is, Jesus has found us, but let them work that out later. <laughs> we found Jesus. We can tell you how to find Jesus. Jesus will sort you out. We're not witnesses because we're somehow experts and perfect and know everything about everything. That, that would mean that we are God. And we are not God. We're witnesses because we've found the gospel. We've found Jesus. We've found that making him Lord and Savior is what makes the difference. 
So let me just recap. The gospel is Jesus, Savior, and Lord. The gospel is simple. And number three, we are fully qualified to share the gospel. That's good news there, actually. Right there, that is good news. We are fully qualified. The devil doesn't want you and I to think so. He wants us to think that we're rubbish, useless, don't know enough of the answers, can't do it, can't do it, too difficult, blah, 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 blah. It's just rubbish. By definition, if we know enough to get saved, we know enough to share. And I think there are two groups of people we need to share the gospel with. Firstly, ourselves. Secondly, with others. I want to think about sharing the gospel with ourselves. Because the gospel is Jesus, Jesus as Savior and Lord, we must keep sharing this truth with our own souls. We must keep sharing this truth with our own souls. We were saved by Jesus the Savior when we put our trust in him on a given day. But that same gospel truth we need to apply into our lives. We need to hammer into our hearts. We need to view everything that happens to us in life through the lens of every single day of our lives. We are just deceived if we think that we need Jesus less today than the day we got saved. On the day we got saved, we needed Jesus to save us. But once saved, it's not like we need him any less. We need Jesus to sanctify us, to make us holy, to make us more like him, to give us strength, to to enable us to be witnesses to carry our loads and burdens and help others as they carry theirs, to pray for the sick, to pray for the lost, like we were doing on Tuesday night at the prayer meeting, to care for our brothers and sisters, to love them, to give our time, money, talents, to build the church, to extend God's kingdom in practical ways. We don't need Jesus less than the day we got saved. I think we need Jesus more than the day we got saved. Or is that just me? We need the gospel more because the gospel is Jesus and we don't need to get saved again, but guess what? We need his transforming power in our lives again and again and again, day after day after day. I need the transforming power of Jesus. He transformed me completely on the day that I got saved, but it's not like I'm the finished article. I need that same transforming power now to keep on transforming me. And I think I'm going to need that every day until the day that I die. Unless I think we learn and take time and develop this discipline of sharing the gospel, literally preaching Jesus, preaching that he is Savior and Lord to our own souls, to ourselves, we will be in all kinds of trouble and turmoil inside. And that's not good for us. And if we're full of trouble and turmoil inside, we will never share Jesus with anyone else. It says in Romans 14, 17, I put it in your notes. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. A lot of translations say of love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The 
Bible says the kingdom of heaven, it's not about eating or drinking. Those are temporary things. They're very nice, and I like to do both. But they are passing away, material things. The things of the kingdom of God are about love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I understand by that that the Holy Spirit wants to enable me to remain in a place of love and peace and joy no matter what the circumstances of life are. I just wonder, do you get that? Do you see how amazing that is? How completely different than anything else in the world that is. The world is busy trying to find those things in money, prestige, success, status, comfort, adulation, sex, etc., etc. We are to find them in the Holy Spirit. Completely impossible within our own strength. Completely impossible. So my question this morning really is, how does the Holy Spirit do that? Does he just zap me with overwhelming love, peace, and joy that somehow overrides all the difficulties and difficult daily stuff of life? See, I know the Holy Spirit can do that. He's done that in my life. He just overwhelms me with one of these from heaven, and that's wonderful, but guess what? He doesn't do that every time. Does he do that for you every time? No, doesn't do that every time. He can do it, doesn't do it all the time. Mostly, I believe, the Holy Spirit wants to help me to share the gospel with myself, to share the fact that Jesus is my Savior and Lord and all that that means and all that he's done. And he wants then to help me to relate that into my daily life so that I can remain in a place of love, peace, and joy. I want to tell you some things that have happened to me this uh, week, and now I've had to share the gospel with myself. And I'm not telling you because I think I'm good at this, because I don't think I am. And I'm not telling you because I feel hard done by and want your sympathy, because I don't. I don't care about either of those two things. I want you to see how the Holy Spirit has worked in my life and what I have had to do in terms of that, so that the Holy Spirit might work more in your lives if you will do what you need to do. Do you understand? So last Sunday morning, when we met, there was some stuff that I did that I didn't feel I did very well at. Uh, and uh, as part of that, I felt like I hadn't put in the time of preparation and prayer. And so I felt a number of things, including being disappointed in myself. And I don't know if you ever feel disappointed in yourself, but it's not a feeling that I like. It's not a feeling I can shake easily. So what did I do? Monday morning, first thing, quiet time, me, God, on the floor, in the kitchen, with the dog. I shared the gospel with myself. I thank Jesus that he's still my Savior and Lord, now and forever. He's the one I serve. He's the one I live for. I'm still a son, even though I don't think I did my best. I asked his forgiveness, knowing that he'd forgive me because he promised that he would. I asked him, Lord, will you help me be better prepared for this week? I sat there and I prayed, and I prayed in English, and I prayed in tongues. I prayed in tongues because it says in the Bible, it's the one gift that you can do, that where you can build yourself up. And so I prayed in tongues, and I went through the Lord's Prayer, which I do most mornings, because the Lord's Prayer is actually just Jesus teaching us to remember and respond to him, who he is and what he's done. So I prayed for his kingdom to come, and I prayed for his provision. I prayed for his guidance, his forgiveness, his protection forever and ever. Amen. 
And as I did that, sat in my floor, early hours of the morning, me, the dog, cup of coffee, as I prayed that through, you would have loved to have been a little video on the wall, I'm sure, what is that man doing? As I did that, and I came before Jesus and came before the cross, preached to my soul, as I did that, I felt the storm that had been brewing in my soul calm. I felt my perspective got back to its rightful place. I regained or retained my love, peace, and joy when I wouldn't have otherwise. Monday during the day, I heard there was someone not too happy in the church and not happy about them. They may leave the church, who knows? And saying, as a church leader, if any church leader says that people leaving the church isn't painful, they're lying. Uh, it might be necessary, but they'll still be lying. For a church leader, it cuts deep. And without going into details, and the devil's always at work trying to pull down, trying to separate people off. I noticed that. He's horrible. He kicks people when they're down. He's a... And there's always things that you think as of someone in church, as both a leader and a person in church. Could we have done more? Could we have done this? Could I have cared more? But the biblical model is we all care for everyone, but sometimes could we have done more? And it always forms that within me. It's so easy then to get hurt, to get defensive. Then even when you speak to the person, you're doing it from a place of hurt, and that's not good because it comes out in what you say. And even if it doesn't come out in what you say, it comes out in how you say it. And so that doesn't work. What did I do? Tuesday morning, my quiet time, on the floor, before the sun comes up, first thing in the morning, I sat and I shared the gospel with myself. I preached to my soul. I worshipped in tongues quietly. I lifted everything to Jesus. I reminded him that it's his church. I wasn't really reminding him because he forgot. I was reminding me because I forget. That he's building it, that he's Lord over every situation, including this one. I said, Lord, I'm sorry if there was more I could have done and I haven't. Please help me. I prayed for the person. I prayed the devil wouldn't get in. I prayed that we might be able to meet and talk, see whether we can move things forward. Again, my soul was at peace. It was at rest. The inner turmoil had stopped. I trusted again. No, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're in control. All I need to do is serve you. Please direct me because it's your kingdom. You're the one who hung on the cross. You're the one who reconciled men and women back to God. You have the power. I don't have the power. The Holy Spirit helped me to find Jesus as I shared the gospel that Jesus was my Savior and my Lord with myself. Didn't change the situation, but it changed my soul in the situation from turmoil to peace. And from that place of peace, now maybe I can be a peacemaker. Now maybe I can pray for that person. Now maybe when I meet with them, I'll be able to speak honestly and openly without being defensive, without being hurt. That was Monday. Sorry, that was Tuesday morning. Tuesday during the day, I discovered that our good friends Oscar and Bibi from Mexico, their son, Stevie's had leukemia. He's been going through it for the last 18 months. They've moved from Guadalajara to Mexico. Uh, his brother's given him a bone marrow transplant. It's been 18 months of a nightmare. Five weeks ago, they were told he was clear. Tuesday, they found out the illness was hiding in his bones. And it's in his skull, a much harder place to operate. Imagine that. You've gone through 18 months and you're actually told, we think he's clear. And then you're told, he's not clear at all, it's been hiding. Worse than it was before. It's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking. How do I feel about that? I feel gutted, heartbroken, helpless, hopeless. 
I don't know if you ever feel hopeless or helpless, but when I do, I tend to do nothing because I've got this kind of sense of hopelessness, helplessness. There's a frustrated inactivity because I can't see how anything I can do is going to make a difference. What did I do? Wednesday morning, 20 past six, in my study at home, in the chair with a blanket around me before the sun comes up, I'm preaching the gospel to my soul. I'm reminding myself that Jesus is my saviour and Lord, and because he's Lord, he is also the healer who can heal Stevie right now. And so from a place of frustrated inactivity, what do I do? I pray, Jesus, come and heal Stevie now. And when I finish praying for him, I remind myself, that's great, Lord, and do you know what? If you don't heal him, one day when he gets to heaven, you will heal him, and he will be with you for eternity, and he won't have that disease in him. I remind myself that Jesus is Lord. He carries these things. The burden's too much for me. The burden's too much for me. I can't carry someone with leukemia. I can't carry it. It's too much. I can pray if I keep my perspective. If I preach the gospel to myself, if I bring it back before Jesus, if I say, Jesus, you are the Lord and I'm not, then I can pray with all my heart out. I won't feel hopeless or helpless. But if I don't, I'll just sit there. Just spiritually inactive. Also on Tuesday, I heard that last summer, there was someone who I had a kind of argument with. They're not in the church, but it was something we were doing as a church. And I had to, we booked a venue and they couldn't come in. And I had to tell them they couldn't come in and they wanted to come in. And we had an exchange of words and they got a bit upset with how I spoke to them. And I said, look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you, but you couldn't come in. And I thought it was all done. Well, anyway, on Tuesday, as I'm just literally working through in my head, oh my goodness, I can't believe that Stevie has still got leukemia. Someone comes up to me in the church and says, oh, this person says this, you know, and told me about it. And I thought, man, that was last summer. It's still not dealt with. And you feel like, you know, I'm being accused here. This is unfair. don't know if you've ever been unfairly accused or misunderstood, but it provokes a sharp reaction in me. You want to say, no, no, that's not true. I didn't do that. But what did I do? Well, Wednesday morning... I shared the gospel with myself. I shared the fact that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that he knows exactly what went on. I don't need to justify myself to anyone except him. But I prayed and apologized to him if I'd been a bad witness. I prayed for the other person because it had obviously still got in and niggled them. And, and actually God prompted me, write them a note, just apologizing again if you caused any offense. Be a peacemaker in that situation. That was Three days in my life, beginning of this week. Four things, all of them having the potential to start a storm in my soul. All of them an opportunity for the devil to get the knife out, throw accusations, throw lies, get me reacting badly. And if I'd done nothing, I would not have been able to say that the kingdom of God is about love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit this week. Because I shared the gospel with myself. Because I made time and pursued and asked the Holy Spirit to bring me to Jesus, to help me to see these circumstances in light of who he is as Savior and Lord, I did have a week that had love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I don't think this is such an unusual week, really. This is normal life. I mean, sometimes when I preach, I find God allows some things in a concentrated form because he wants to kind of, you know, back up what he, what's being preached. He wants to 
teach and highlight some things in my life that it might help you in yours. But generally, I think these are just the normal things of life. You may not have had the same scenarios, but this week you will have been dealing with stuff. Maybe someone's riled you. Maybe you've had an experience like Linda's. Maybe you felt you let God down. Maybe you spoke without thinking. Maybe you have ongoing issues of money or health or family or work issues. Maybe you're dealing with grief or loss or confusion or issues with identity or friendships. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know this. The answer lies in Jesus. The answer lies in sharing the gospel, Jesus as your Savior and Lord, with yourself until your soul is at rest and until your thinking lines up with his thinking. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fires within do not rage. We don't ignore them. We don't suppress them. We don't become cold. We don't become hard. We come to Jesus day by day. We come to him. We come to his cross and we throw ourselves on his love and his mercy and we say, will you help us to see these circumstances as who we are, which is now sons and daughters, and we fight and we battle to retain love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think if you're a Christian, you only got saved because of Jesus, and the truth is you can only live the Christian life by getting what you need from Jesus. We're not supermen. We're not super Christians. We're Christians who need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Need to share the gospel with myself every day over every issue that would unsettle me. Because every single issue and area of my life needs to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. If every single area of my life, situation, circumstances does not come under the lordship of Christ, then I'm not making Jesus Lord, not making him saviour. And I know that if I don't do this, I get frustrated, I can get disappointed, I can get disillusioned, I can have a feeling of helplessness, I can have a feeling of self-centeredness, I can have a feeling of self-pity, oh, well, woe is me, etc. And if I get that, I begin to draw away from God, I begin to draw away from his church, I begin to draw away from the things of God, I become cold, I become detached. And that is what God does not want. That is what the devil does want. But praise God this week, I didn't. But I tell you this, it was a battle. It was a fight. But then I'm sure the Bible says something about put on your spiritual armor and fight. Does it not? Is it just using up paper and ink? And you know what? Actually, I could see the hand of God in things this week. I could take the opportunity to be a peacemaker and not cause more division and strife. I could actually see how God had answered some prayers this week. I could see how God could use me in some situations. We know the gospel. It's all about Jesus. What I think we must learn to do and actually do is share the gospel with ourselves. I do it early morning. I pray, I worship, I pray in tongues, I pray in English. I bring it all before God. I, I spurt it all out before him. I remind myself, Jesus, your Savior and Lord. Holy Spirit, your role, you're living inside of me. Your role is to come and help me to bring me to Jesus. Help me, let me listen, let me do what you say. I do that every day. I don't do that every day because I want to win gold stars as a Christian. I do it every day because I need to do it every day. 
And I think doing this every day is normal Christianity. I think it's what every Christian needs to do if you want to stay sane. If you want to stay spiritually sane, this is what we need to do. If we want to keep running the race, we must share the gospel with ourselves. Listen to this quote. I put it in your notes. My chief daily duty is to ensure my soul is happy in God. My chief daily duty is to ensure my soul is happy in God. We could imagine that's a very selfish, in a way, kind of saying. This person who said this must have been self-absorbed. They just want their little holy huddle and Jesus to bless them all the time. This was a quote by a guy called George Muller, who back in the day looked after thousands of orphan children through prayer alone. No government grants, no money in the bank, thousands of children, and God had said to him, you pray and I'll bring in the food. And sometimes the food came in like at one minute to nine when breakfast was due at nine. But George Muller realized that unless he kept his own soul happy in God, that he would be no good to God and he'd be no good to others. It is not selfish or self-centered. It's actually where it all comes from, where it all comes out of. Oh, my goodness, look at the time. Okay, share the gospel with others. I haven't got much. I've got things to say, but not much time to say it. Have a listen on the Newground website to Pete Anderson's talk from Ashburnham 19. He has some great practical things to say. But the gospel is what people need to know. They need to know about Jesus. There are more and more people in our country that have no idea who Jesus is. True story. Last week, a girl got saved into one of our new ground churches in London. She had no idea that churches met on a Sunday. She had no idea that churches met on a Sunday. We are missionaries. We are missionaries in this nation right now. Our mindset, I think, has to change. We have to stop thinking that maybe we live in a country where most people have heard enough of a truth about Jesus but have chosen not to accept him. That might have been true a few generations ago, but it's not true now. Most people do not know who Jesus is. They've never heard a Bible story in their life. Let's not be those who say nothing because we don't have all the answers seems to me at the moment that there are a lot of other people who are sharing very boldly what they believe, and often what they share, I believe, is the biggest load of old tosh that I've ever heard. But they are very bold in declaring it. Have you noticed that? They're very bold. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I think... They're very bold in declaring it. Why don't we get just as bold in declaring what we believe, which just happens to be the truth? If you read in Acts, Peter, you know, often when the apostles are pulled together and told, stop preaching the name of Jesus, he says, I can't, because God's told us. That's his answer. I put the quote in you. I can't, I can't, because God told us to do it, and uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit, and uh, that's who we've got to obey. Maybe God is provoking the church in this nation to speak boldly through listening to people who are speaking boldly, absolute tosh. And at some time, maybe us hearing them speak it is going to provide a re- provoke a reaction in us. Not to have a go at them, because that's not helpful, 
but rather to simply be as bold in declaring what we believe. Are you with me? We're not to sit and say, you're wrong. We're to say, oh, right, very interesting. That's what you believe. Let me tell you what I believe. Kajunk. I do wonder, when I pray, God, what are you doing with this nation? God, what are you doing with this nation? I do wonder whether that's what he's doing. He's trying to, prov- in a sense, he's, he's allowing a shaking. And he, he's almost allowing a boldness of, 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 of lies and tosh to be sprouted in our media and through many other ways. That we might sit here and go, that's not the truth, and we know it. Let me speak up and speak out for God's truth. And inside the church, I think we need to share the gospel. We need to point one another to Jesus. We need to be those who, when someone comes up and says this, that, and blah, blah, we need to say, well, what does Jesus say? I can't solve your issues, your problems, but I can signpost you to the one who can. But I think it will mean, on a day-by-day basis, we have to do business with him. We have to, we have to bring the things of life before him. I do that first thing in the morning. I try and do it every morning. However you do it, I believe you need to do it. The gospel, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, and everything gets worked out from there. This verse I'll end on from 1 Peter 5, verse 6. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love that, those verses. It says we need to do two things. We need to humble ourselves and we need to cast our anxieties and cares on him. We need to come before him from a place of humility. We need to say, no, Jesus, you're my savior, you're my Lord. These are the things that have been going on in my day, yesterday, in my heart. I'm going to cast those anxieties onto you. I want you to come. I want you to care for me, care for my soul. And I'm going to trust that you will lift me up. You 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 will lift me up when it's the right time. Prayer, care, share. Share the gospel with yourself. Share the gospel with other people. Let me pray. And then if anyone's got any words of knowledge, prophetic words, things that you feel God might want to do for other people, we're going to have a moment to share those.